Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror podcast where we talk about movies off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've got my striped shirt and my lipstick on and I'm ready to talk about uh, the movie we're talking about today, which is number 45, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. 45? Yeah. 45, 96% adjusted rating of 100.728. Wow. Mm. Hmm. Um, have you, had you seen this before? I did. I saw it. I saw it right. I think right around the time it came out. Yeah. Okay. Did you? Uh, did you find that? Uh, did you? Did your opinion <laughs> change on it at all? The first time versus the second time, or 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 anything like that? You know, it 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 did. I think the first time I watched it through, I was just so enamored uh, of the sort of the aesthetic of it and the style mm-hmm. that I kind of glossed over certain, certain maybe less pristine aspects of it. And this time sure. I kind of noticed a little bit more where, where, where things maybe felt a little bit thin and like kind of stretched out, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I had not seen this one. Um, hmm. I knew of it. It was one that I I see talked about a lot. Uh, so I was really looking forward to to watching it, and it it was kind of not what I expected, but also exactly what I expected. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, actually, it does. It does yeah. with this one. Well, uh, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll listen to the trailer, and then we can get into it. So, we've got A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from 2014, directed by Anna Lily Amirpour, written by Anna Lily Amirpour, starring Sheila Vand, Aresh Marandi, Marshall Manesh, and a cat with the eyes of your dead wife. <laughs> Amanda, what happens in this movie? Residents of a worn-down Iranian city encounter a skateboarding vampire who preys on men who disrespect women. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's pretty much that's pretty much the movie. Uh, a few things you will find in this movie include mm-hmm. uh, a skateboarding vampire. Yep. Iranian indie rock. 
Gotta have it. Solo balloon dancing. Gotta have it. Urban blight. Mm-hmm. And questionable parenting. As always. On As a roll. Always. <laughs> on a roll. On a roll. That's the point of this. We should just change the name of this podcast to <laughs> questionable, questionable parenting, parenting with a question mark at the end. <laughs> Because we uh, we have not missed one yet, so I'm pretty pretty impressed. I feel like we sh- we definitely like really squeaked some in, kind of under the wire. There's maybe one, maybe two that we squeaked in. I think for the most part, it's been pretty solid. <laughs> for the for the most part, I would agree with you. But I, I it's def- like I think American Psycho. We definitely kind of kind of. That's true. Yeah, that's probably yeah. the well. That's not on the list anymore, so it doesn't matter. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, if uh, just to touch on that real quick, um, mm. I think we've mentioned it before, but this list is a fluid list. Yes, it's a living creature. Yes, it's a living living document, as one might say. <laughs> and uh, since we have started, almost every movie we have covered has has moved numbers or been moved off the list. Oh uh, my Americans, god. American Psycho is the only one that was moved off the list, which I think we should take full credit for. I, I agree. Um, I agree. They're listening to us. Yeah, we'll see if we can get them to do the same thing with this movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, The Shining has moved. Texas Chainsaw has moved. Um, pretty much everything. I think the only one that didn't move was Frankenstein, maybe. And uh, That oh, sounds right. No, it did. No, I'm sorry. Oh. It did. Yeah, Frankenstein... No, I'm sorry. Frankenstein did not move. A Quiet Place, which was number four, uh-huh. and Nosferatu, which was number five, they just swapped spots. So uh, Quiet <laughs> I mean, Place sure. is now number five. Sure, that is and, that is yeah. slightly corrective. I think so. I think it should. I think a Quiet Place might want to swap spots with a movie like The Shining. A lot further down, yeah, maybe The Shining. But uh, <laughs> which anyway? So of, w- w- how how did The Shining move? It just moved down three spots. Uh, mm-hmm. It moved from 101 to 103, and 101 is now Color Out of Space from 2019 starring Nicolas Cage. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. So there, we are going to <laughs> most likely hit double up on some numbers. Yeah. And the thing that's really going to drive people crazy, and I think I already said this in a previous show, is there are going to be some numbers that we don't ever hit. Because if yeah. a movie we've already covered goes to a, a number we haven't covered, we're not going to cover that movie again. So there's a possibility right. we might never cover no, uh, number 103. So sorry. For, sorry, for all you uh, For all you completists and collectors out there, I'm sorry. It's going to really make you go insane. It would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, uh, I think, kind of using that as a jumping off point, I think... My biggest question is, would you call this a horror movie? I would not. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I think... I, I, I just... I don't know. <laughs> I would not. Yeah, it, it has... Um, you know, I... When I, when I said that I, uh, I, I didn't know what I was... It wasn't anything like I thought, but it was exactly what I thought. I, I kind of... It, I think I mean that it was very much an art film, which I kind of wasn't expecting. But then as soon as it started, I was like, okay, I kind of know what this is going to be like. Mm-hmm. But it is very unique. Um, but like the uh, the style is fantastic. The black and oh, white yeah. photography is awesome. Um, the music is great. We can get to that a little bit later. 
but uh, it's closer to like a David Lynch movie. It's like yeah. it's like one Roy Orbison lip sync away from being a David Lynch movie. <laughs> well, the uh, the the uh, balloon dance that we mentioned in our in our mm. little list of things um, that is one of the most David Lynch things I've ever seen outside of a David Lynch film yeah, or, or television absolutely. episode. It yes. felt a little bit like an extended episode from Twin Peaks The Return. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I <laughs> was know? thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like right in that pocket. <laughs> and you know, I Yeah, I don't I don't know necessarily how I feel about this movie cuz I I understand why it it got such high acclaim. It's it's billed as the first Iranian horror movie. Um, it's a, it's a really, uh, um, I think it's the first, they, they, they called it the first Iranian, uh, vampire Western. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't really know where the Western part comes in, but I guess. I kind of get it. They, they use, a, I mean, they use some Sergio Leone style music at a, at a certain point, but I mean, I guess I could see it Western as like a, a very like modern interpretation of what that means. But, uh, yeah. um. Yeah, it's it's uh I I I appreciate the style. I get why it got such high acclaim, but at, outside of the style and and the sort of novel I hate to use the word novelty cuz that sounds dismissive, but the novelty of it I don't really know if there's a whole lot going on there story-wise. Um Unless it's just, uh, I'm sure there's someone screaming at their at their computer or, or phone right now, b- telling me that I'm missing all the uh, sim- symbolic subtext of of everything. But uh, um, and, and if uh, we yeah. are, please tell us. Yes, we would love do. to know. Like I, I, I genuinely would love a reason to love this movie. Mm, yeah. Like yeah, it's there, yeah. There's sorry, so many ahead. things about it that I that I appreciate, and that it's like I, I feel like. In certain aspects, it it kind of plugged some of my favorite things into an algorithm and like spit it out mm, <laughs> a little yes. bit with like the good soundtrack and the sort of like the feminist bent to it and mm-hmm. the sort of weird David Lynchian aspects and all the kind of art housey stuff. Like you know me, I'm a sucker for that shit. Right. So this was like kind of handed to me as like, aha, here a movie for you. And then I watch it and I'm like. God, I really like there's certain moments in it I, I find extremely beautiful. There are certain things about it, like visually, I find really interesting. Sonically, I think it's really well done, but there's something very flat. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all, it all kind of has the same tone throughout. And I guess tone is not the right word. Maybe it is. But I, I it, it, it doesn't. Does... I'm sorry. Go you ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it doesn't. Um... There's no if there's no up and down to it really. It's all very much kind of a straight line as far as like uh, performances and uh, yeah, I guess the the tone of the film and it's just it is pretty much just one thing throughout the whole for an hour and a half. Which is, I mean, it's not it's not terrible. Um, no, no. I don't hate it, but. <laughs> No, no, I'm. Just, I don't, I'm not saying. I. It's not saying I. I didn't like it. or I think it's a bad movie or anything. But it's just. I don't know. I. I feel like it could have used a little bit more variation to it. 
I think so. So there's something that you've said a couple times, I think, about different movies we've um, watched and then talked about on the show mm-hmm. um, where you've pointed out that some some of the movies that I think both of us have found the most fun to watch or the most the most enjoyable, the most exciting are the ones that ratchet up tension to a yes. point. And then I think you've always put it as like. It, it, the ball starts rolling downhill and then it just keeps picking up speed and, and, and the tension kind of feeds into that. And, and mm-hmm. there's, there's some, something, it keeps building somehow to the climactic right. moment. And, and right. I don't think you get that in this movie. No, not really. It's what, what you would call the, the climax, I guess, is probably when uh, she kills the, the, the kid's father, right? More or less? I, I think so. Or is it yep. when he goes to her and says, all right, pack your stuff, we're leaving. And then he yeah. sees her holding the cat and he has to kind of make the decision. Am I still going to go through with this? It is, am I going to accept the fact that this this girl probably killed my father and and move on or am i going to do something about it i don't know yeah it's tough to tell because it's all played so evenly (laughs) it's yeah it's very Um, it's it's very like it hits it hits one note beautifully and then it just keeps hitting that note over and over again yeah i you know it's if you want to get into the um the metaphorical stuff going on like i think the the cleanest metaphor is that that the vampire is is sort of a metaphor for drug use for lack of a better uh like she because she's she the the people that she's killing are are drug addicts essentially uh i guess the homeless guy would probably also fall under that category and she shows her you know she shows her fangs and and her uh evilness to that little kid as a way to sort of ward him off of, of doing bad things so yeah. she's sort of she's sort of like the embodiment of this uh uh tragic end I guess. Um and I I guess in that cuz I what I was going to bring up is I don't even think the kid knows that she's a vampire. Does she does that does that even come up? I'm sorry, when I say the kid I mean the uh, uh the main <laughs> the guy little, there. The, oh, oh, okay. The sort of um Iranian James Dean. Yes, yeah. I don't even <laughs> think he ever finds out she's a vampire. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think he I don't think he does. I think she tells him at some point, I've done bad things. Right. And he seems to just sort of shrug that off, like I don't really care. Um Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think there's ever like a, a, a revelation moment, which which would maybe have been a way to add a climax to this. Yeah. Like it it kinda <laughs> It's it's kind of interesting because it's not entirely dissimilar to like let the right one in or let me yeah. in sort of as far as what's going on right yeah yeah where there's there's a sort of a a female or female presenting feminine vampire who to the to the world around her is seen as um like not a threat mm. and is therefore this sort of surprising figure of like violence and and revenge in a way yeah and then that sort of weird kind of 
it's a seduction, but there's almost something innocent about it between her and, um, is his name Arash? Is that? I, th- I think it's, uh, oh, I got it right here. Hold on. It is Arash. Yes. Arash. All right. We're probably going to butcher the pronunciations, but <laughs> sorry guys. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's something like, it's obviously there's a, there's a romance between them, but there's something innocent about it, at least from yeah. my viewing, like, like something, it, it doesn't feel carnal. It, it right. feels more, you know, romantic and something kind of like two people who are trying to survive in a very unforgiving and difficult world that treats them both very badly. And mm. they find some sort of kinship and comfort with one another. And I think, mm. yeah, that's very similar to um, Let the Right One In, which is an interesting kind of parallel. Yeah, I think, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, I think this um, vampire as metaphor for drug use or just a just a general tragic end is pretty strong. Mm. Um, even, even to the point where, you know, cause it's, it's, she's killing these, she's killing all these men. So there is sort of this, this feminist seeming angle to it. And she saves the, uh, uh, I guess she's a sex worker. Yeah. Um, and as I'm thinking about it through that, that, that lens of that metaphor, it's kind of more to me that she's in, in the, the, uh, in the father overdosing and dying let's say the vampire is not a part of this and the father <laughs> overdoser in, vi- in dying she is getting a look at a possible uh the, the possible end for herself which then um uh motivates her to to save herself and so in this movie oh, that that is depicted through um this vampire that's that's killing these people um and with that in mind it's i was thinking about the ending mm. And I don't know, like, I, I feel like, I feel like it's, part of me wants to say I wish that the main guy, Arash, made some sort of choice about, I mean, he does make a choice to go with her, but he doesn't know she's this monster. And maybe that's kind of the point of it, where he's making this choice, he's he's kind of, uh you know, dipping his toe into these, he's, he's been selling drugs. Right. He's been kind of getting into uh more unsavory activity. And now he's got this agent of, uh, of bad stuff for lack of a better term <laughs> um, in his car. And he's choosing to go off with her, not fully understanding what the consequences of that are. Yeah. I mean, so, I think I think I have a slightly different like stance on um sure on the girl um I I I I think that there's definitely room for that reading of of her as symbolic of this sort of like bad ending that that you're you're going to face or you're that's inevitable if you're involved in you know the drug trade and mm-hmm. all of this and I, I think that tracks. I think that definitely is is a layer of it. But to me, the thing that's more prominent is that her vic- yeah, you mentioned it the the sort of feminist reading of it, I guess you would call it that her victims are men mm. and and other than the homeless guy, 
who I kind of, you know, throws off my whole analysis, I guess. Um, but with the guy who's the, uh, the, the, the original drug dealer pimp sort of guy with the beautiful face tattoos. Mm. Um, which, uh, if anyone's interested, <laughs> oh boy, um, his face test tattoo is, I believe, Arabic for uh, pussy stretcher. <laughs> Just going to let that sit there for a minute. Yep. Just throw that out on the table and let everybody anyway, look at it. <laughs> con- continue what you're saying about your, your feminist reading of this movie. <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to. Um <laughs> No, but but so you know she she kills him and she kills uh, Arash's father, but mm. she doesn't kill Arash's father because he's a heroin addict. She kills True. him because he ties up Ati, the sex worker, forcibly injects her with heroin mm. against her will. Like that's yeah. why she kills him. She doesn't. Right. She she could have killed him way before that when he was you know doing heroin for a very long time clearly true yeah um but i think you know there there's a lot there's a lot there in that in most societies uh especially conservative religious societies women are you know they're they're treated they they are typically the victims right of violence of of systematic oppression all of that and I think there's something to having this very young looking, very innocent seeming, you know, she's not tarted up. She's not seductive. Mm. She's just a girl. She's just the girl and she's, you know, out there. And I I think there's a lot of symbolism in having her be the one who sort of swoops in to almost try to right these wrongs. Right. Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I, I think one of the best scenes would, for me, I think one of my favorite scenes is when she is talking to the little boy mm. and she's leaning, like, she's, she's kind of down on his level and she's like right up in his face and, and almost talking like directly into his ear and telling him to be a good boy. Right. Yeah. And her voice sort of similar to in, in, um, let the right one in or let me in, um, like Abby, her voice changes. Her voice gets really right. deep and kind of frightening in that moment. And I think that's her sort of like issuing a warning mm-hmm. to him. As in like, remember this when you're older and you're no longer because because children are also vulnerable and, and typically victims of, of violence and exploitation. But he's going to grow into a man. Right. And I think that's her sort of trying to say, hey, you might watch all these guys get away with it. You might watch Arash dealing drugs on the corner. You might watch, uh, I think his name was Saeed, you know. Beating- You're so much better at remembering <laughs> these names than I am. <laughs> I don't know. I'm good. I'm good with I'm good with names. I'm good with words, I guess. Um, but yeah, like you might witness the way men treat women and the way men are able to get away with this stuff, but don't think that that's true. They're not going to get away with it. And she kind of makes sure of that. Yeah. And I mean, just even the, the way that she's presented too. she's wearing a, uh, um, a, uh, Chador, Uh, which is a, is some, a 
Islamic female garment, kind of similar to a, like similar to like a burqa, but not quite as intense. Yeah, it's sort of in between a hijab and a niqab, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, even that, you know, taking that kind of symbol of what that represents and, and using that as this sort of uh, uh, vampire cape, it's a great yeah. image. Oh, like, yeah. She looks fantastic, um, which yeah. is that sort of... Her on the uh, skateboard coming down the street with that sort of black billowing cloak yeah. flying out to the sides and behind her. It looks amazing. Yeah, and you know, it's, it is... Taking um, someone who is would usually be the victim and is the victim uh, of the way that women are treated in in certain societies, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, definitely giving her a uh, uh, the the power to kind of push back on it. The the man the 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 uh, the homeless guy is just throwing me off though because it's like. Yeah. Is the home is the killing of the homeless guy to show that she's not a good guy? Because I mean, if she doesn't kill the homeless guy, she's only killing bad guys, and so she kind of turns into this like vig- like vampire vigilante. Hmm. But since she kills that homeless guy who didn't do anything, she, there is this just element of she's what she's doing seems like it's it's a good thing, but she's not in she's not like she's not Blade, you know? She is. <laughs> right killing and, and eating people just innocent people as well well I think, she's, she's killing and eating men and so right. then then does it become a misandry thing where you know she hates men so much sure that it doesn't matter if she's seen you do anything good or bad you're you're potentially dinner anyway but then arash throws that off mm. because she kind of like she she spots him a couple times before they actually really connect and she kind of just lets them go. Yeah. I think, I think the homeless guy is in there because Arash doesn't really do anything in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that he doesn't do anything and all of this stuff, he's very passive. Yeah. He's very passive. He's not really a serious drug. Like he never really takes the next step into being a, uh, a, he reminds a drug me dealer. of, um, um, Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Kind of. He just sort of gets it started and then just says, eh, eh whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the fact that he is so passive, you need to have her, you need to create the, the possibility that she might kill him. And if she's only mm. killing bad guys and this other guy is just sort of like a you know, just a passive twerp more or less, there's really no tension there. So you either That's have to have you either have to have Arash do something that is explicitly bad, which you don't want to do because it makes your main character slash love interest into a bad guy, <laughs> or you have to have your vampire kill people who are other kill people other than just bad guys. So there is some possibility that that regardless of what he has or hasn't done she might still kill him yeah i I actually i really like that because i think that adds another layer of weight to that last scene where it's uh they're in the car and arash is in the driver's seat she's in the passenger seat and the cat is perched in between them and they're all sort of like all three of them are staring straight ahead into the darkness into like the headlights of the car and then they kind of turn slowly to look at each other. Mm. And I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that adds an interesting layer to that lo- that last look, where it's like 
okay, here we are. We're out here in this isolated area, totally alone. Now what happens? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a similar I again I find it similar to Let the Right One or Let Me In for that matter because we haven't watched Let the Right One In yet. <laughs> um even though it's the same story. But uh in in that your like that one has a bit of a different feeling to the ending because even though the kid has made his choice, he doesn't really understand what that means. Um but in this one it is like it's sort of like that moment before he absolutely makes his choice where there's a little bit more um, ambiguity as to as yeah. to what the next next step is. Yeah, I th- I think it, it the difference there is um, with let me in. There there's a sort of feeling at the very end that uh, the the two the vampire girl and the and the, and the boy uh, that they're sort of they they've kind of come to a decision together. They're on the same side. They're sort of right. moving towards the same goal at least for now. Maybe that won't mm. be the way it is forever, but for now they're they're sort of in this this lockstep. They know where they're going and they're doing it together. Yeah. And at the end yeah. of this, they're together, and I think that there's definitely that layer of, of sort of this fledgling relationship, this affection, this this like romantic pull towards one another. But there's also the fact that they know especially Arash knows next to nothing about the girl and mm. we don't know her motivations. We don't know her, her, she, she clearly has some sort of um, moral compass or, or, or set of morals that if you, if you cross one of these boundaries, you're, you're, you're lunch, but we don't know what those are. We don't know how stringent those are. We don't know if, Arash is safely on one side of them or has crossed one of those lines. And this has kind of been a long con and now they're out there alone and she's just gonna finish him off. Like we, we don't know. And there's not really a clear, there's no clear visual cue about what it is. Like wh- right. what side are we landing on? And I, that's why I do kind of find it fascinating that he never finds out that she's a vampire because it, it does kind of have, it, it adds this extra layer to it of him, making this choice but not really understanding the choice that he's making yeah Um, and and there's also the question then where um is she really a vampire sure i mean you could are i know that's a little bit of a long shot i think she is i'm not i'm not saying i think the whole thing is metaphorical um but i think you could make the argument that that maybe you know there's some wiggle room to say the only two people who've seen her as a vampire, I mean, there's there's Saeed and Hussein, the father, they're mm-hmm. dead. And then Ati, the sex worker, she was high. True, yeah. So <laughs> she might just be a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that comforting? Yeah. Um but yeah, the uh you know one of the things that I actually did like, really like about this, uh, on top of the visuals, um, was the setting, and yeah. not only just that it's it's this uh, uh, vision of Iran that I had never considered before, I, which I found found out later they shot in California, so it's fake Iran, <laughs> but uh, but still, it's a very it's kind of a unique 
uh, setting, and it also it um it's it's I found it very similar to like uh, it follows in how it is kind of out of time. There's yeah. no you, it's very difficult to pin down when this takes place because in some instances it's very modern, in other instances in other instances it's not. There's an old car from the 50s, so I I assume this doesn't take place in 1957 and it is actually a style <laughs> choice in this movie, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> I I will take your side on this one. I I think it does not take place in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I was like, it's possible until I saw CDs and a Nintendo gun. And then I was like, okay, this is not the fifties. Right. But even those things like, like how much of that is those things are still around in this particular city, which is clearly not prosperous and not thriving. So maybe they are a couple, you know, not by choice, just by necessity, a couple generations behind in terms of technology or how much of it is this was happening in the past. Like we don't, we don't really know. We're never told. Yeah. And I, I do think that it, it does uh, make, making that sort of style choice to kind of not really set it in a specific time, I think goes a long way with the atmosphere as well. Um, because it just it just makes it a little bit more dreamlike and a little bit more uh, uh, nightmarish, um, which I always I the more the more nightmarish and dreamlike <laughs> horror movies can get the better for me. Yeah, I, I I like I liked that aspect of it, and I think it's interesting because I feel like different characters come from different time periods almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think Arash is very much, you know, the sort of fifties Americana. He's got that car. He's got almost like a pompadour hairstyle. He's in the white mm-hmm. t-shirt. Um, and then the girl, she almost feels like she's from the like early eighties, maybe or like yeah. mid eighties that with like sort of like a, like a European, like, like more, you know, outside of the mainstream, like, like in her, um, her apartment, her wall is covered with like David Bowie and like classic Madonna albums and, and all of these different things. She's got a disco ball. Um, she feels like she's very much from that time, which is interesting to me. It's just like, like, I think, I think by kind of dislocating it in, current time this movie is able to sort of like pick and choose the things it likes from different time periods and incorporate incorporate those things into the movie yeah and the music goes a long way in the doing music that as well. is so good in this movie yeah it's it's tough we, we were watching it um with some friends and our friend sean referred to this as what did he say it was a a series of music videos in search of a story yeah. i think yeah i think and, that was it it was perfect like yeah that kind of that was kind of yeah. how i felt where it's like the music choice is so is really great and it feels it's like the stop this movie being as art housey as it is with as good and uh sort of hip music choices as it has it mm-hmm. almost feels like film schoolish sort of um but in like the best way possible because the music is really good and I, I i i found myself more drawn to it because of 
the music and the imagery than than anything that was happening in the story, which yeah. unfortunately <laughs> made the movie, even though it was 90 minutes, kind of drag for me because yeah. anytime there wasn't music, it was just sort of like low talking for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I, it, it's, it's so, it's tough because I think we've had similar conversations in the past about how certain movies feel like the writer or the director, they were, they were trying to get somewhere. Like they had a vision and they were trying to get to a certain point with it mm-hmm. and maybe just didn't quite make it in, in this iteration. Yeah. Like maybe next time, maybe the next movie where they've had a little more time to sort of, flesh out some of the ideas and maybe approach it from a different angle it would feel a little more complete and a little more like they've sort of worked out the kinks of like how do i take this vision and 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 this concept that i want to execute and how do i not just execute the concept but also make it a compelling and interesting movie yeah 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 because i think that's that's probably the the thing that I'm stra- you know it's it's tough because I feel like I'm I'm backflipping a little bit to find things <laughs> to praise about this because I know how highly regarded it is and it's just like I don't think I probably won't ever watch this again I will listen to the soundtrack I don't know if I'll ever watch it again I might watch clips of it yeah. if I w- felt so inclined but like I don't know it's 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 the first movie that we've for me on this list that we've done where I like, I didn't come away thinking about it. Like I wanted to watch it again. Like there was nothing that really grabbed me about it. Um, and that, I think that kind of fun, funnels into the discussion about whether or not this is actually a horror movie yeah. because all of those other movies we've watched, they, you know, they, they're, they're horror movies with the exception of American psycho. Um, and they have a certain uh, – they kind of tick the boxes on what that means. Um, and it's weird because this does because it's Ish. got a vampire in it <laughs> and it's kind of creepy. But I wouldn't go – I wouldn't say that this is a horror movie. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. And it it frustrates me as I'm sure it would frustrate anybody to try to – try to find a genre or a category to put this in. Yeah. Like it, I feel like it's even more confounding than it was with American psycho. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, which is weird because it's actually has more horror elements in it than American psycho does. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like, like a vampire, (laughs) a a young woman who is a vampire goes around the city killing people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it that, kinda, that sounds like a that sounds like a horror movie to me, but when you watch it, yeah, it's just not. I I don't know. It kind of reminds me of uh, um, when they were trying to make a Superman movie in like the mid nineties. Um, they uh, one of the mandates from the producer was that uh, he didn't want him to wear the suit, oh. and he didn't want him to fly. Oh, which are two. <laughs> Very important things, generally, to what constitutes Superman. Yeah, I and, feel like without those things, you sort of just have average guy. 
Yeah, average guy who's just really strong, I guess. I don't know, yeah. unless he didn't want him to be strong either. But um, and I, I kind of feel like something similar with this, where it's like you've got a vampire, and I guess she she is doing vampire stuff, but there's not, yeah. it's not a really enough of it to feel like it was a satisf. It it does they don't it doesn't have enough of it to really feel like it it warranted the use of a vampire. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> Well, it's tough because, like, every time I think to myself, well, maybe it would have been interesting if there had been a moment where, um, so Saeed, the, the, the pimp, mm-hmm. if after his murder, he had, like, a gang or, or a boss or some group of, of other higher up thugs who were gonna come to this city looking for whoever killed him. Hmm. And, and not that I would want to turn this into an action movie or anything, mm-hmm. but just, like, have some sort of physical threat. Sure. And maybe they blame, they think it's Arash because... So, like, was, a final boss, like a big, like, martial arts guy that she has to fight. Right, right, yeah, exactly that. And he's got, yeah. like, seven swords and the whole... Ch- Chun Lee from Bloodsport. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, I'd watch that movie. But I, I just more mean like if if there had been something that necessitated her being a vampire, where sure. she has to save herself or she has to save Arash, and in the process reveal herself to be this sort of superhuman creature, or at the very least have vampire like problems, you know, like she's she's never. <laughs> There's never a point where she's with Arash where, like, you know, she does that. They do that thing where, like, she can smell his heartbeat or what. You know what I mean? Like, this, <laughs> she, she's never, like, uh, desperate for blood. I'm not even sure she's drinking blood because she's very clean with her killing. Um, I mean, she definitely n- ruined at least one shirt. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> But, yeah, it's – I don't know. It's just – it's – you know, it, there's a movie that I love and, and – if people are familiar with this one and the one we're talking about, they might uh, get on my case about loving one and not the other. Um, George Romero did a movie called um, Martin in the 70s. You have told me to watch this, and I have not yet. Oh, we're well, we're going to get to it, because I believe it's on the list, and if it's not, it will absolutely be one of And if it's not, it's picks. one of your wild cards. <clears throat> yeah, and it's, it's this really kind of uh, interesting uh, vampire movie about this kid who believes himself to be a vampire and his uh, Greek Orthodox or whatever Orthodox uncle also believes him to be a vampire. But it's not entirely, it's not ever really told whether or not he is for real. Mm. And it has this very kind of similar feel to this where it's actually, it's a lot of, um, it's almost more of like a family drama than a straight horror movie. But... (laughs) <laughs> it also has a lot of horror elements in it. It's got, you know, he's a vampire, but he doesn't have fangs, but he does have to find a way to to drink blood. So just think of some ways that a person might end up doing that, <laughs> you know, whether it involves razor blades or, you know, knocking people out and stuff. It's it's it it gets pretty hairy. Um and it has one of my favorite end scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever. Don't um, spoil it. I won't. <laughs> But, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I think we're both asking in the end for the same thing, which is to sort of like give us more 
of, of yeah. like give give us some give us a reason she's got to be a vampire. Give us more of of why her being a vampire matters to the story because I know I was being kind of half like devil's advocate when I said maybe she's not, but you could have this movie and have her fully not be a vampire and the, oh, the movie totally. would be the exact same. Yeah, if instead of biting people in the neck, she's just got like a knife, it would be the same movie. Even a syringe with a drug in it, and she just, you know, yeah. stabs them and poisons them, and they die, and it looks like a drug overdose or whatever. Like that—that that would be the same movie. Yeah. Except there would be fewer cool scenes of her being behind somebody, following them, and then appearing in front of them and having them run into her. Right. Right. Which yeah. I do. I do love those scenes. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I, I know we're we're kind of being a little hard on it, but I I will I will say the thing that I really do like about this is how it it it's if you really want to get into it, it's it's not really the story doesn't really matter that much because it it it's it's clearly going for like an impression more yeah. than anything else, and I think it succeeds absolutely in that sense. Yes, like the. It leaves a very vivid, ghostly um, impression on you. Like when you think back to this movie, the visuals that you're you're conjuring up in your head, at least for me, are very much like nightmarish kind of imagery of yeah. you know high contrast black and white with the with the music and everything. It it sets its at, its atmosphere is absolutely um, fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I and I totally agree, and and it reminds me. I and I, I don't mean to keep bringing up David Lynch, but I I took a whole class on David Lynch in college. Um, you kids in your weird college classes. You went to art school. I had my to friend. take science at art school. <laughs> I also had to take science, so you we're were even. Yeah, it was you're supposed to take science, <laughs> and I did. I also just took a class on David Lynch and Freud. Um, so in this class, you know, we, we, we looked at, we watched a, a lot of David Lynch and we read a lot of like stuff about Jung and Jungian archetypes mm. and Freud and his mostly focused on his work with dreams. Mm. I'm actually really jealous. I would love to have taken that class. It was a really great class. If, if there's anything resembling it, that's still out there. My professor's name was professor monk. He was great. It was an awesome class. Um, but yeah, like this, this reminded me of, like I said, like an extended version of a, an episode of Twin Peaks, The Return, mm-hmm. or even just like a reinterpretation of something like Eraserhead. Mm. And I mean, every episode of Twin Peaks, The Return is an extended episode of <laughs> Twin Peaks, true. The Return. You know what I'm That's saying? That's so true. I still have not finished it. <laughs> I haven't. I've got like he four makes, episodes He makes left. you work for it, man. He makes you work for everything. Did you get, you got to the Nine Inch Nails episode, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the one where he really makes you work for that one. But when, oh, he, yeah. when you get there, it's like, okay, this entire, this entire series was worth it just for this. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so it, it does do that, that it does a great job, like you were saying of, of giving that sort of like you're half in a dream, half awake, mm. uh, that feeling of, of dislocation. Yeah. And I think it's really beautifully shot, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
Um, it, it, the uh, the DP on this was a person named Lyle Vincent, and I guess uh, uh, it was sort of like a co co. Uh, it was co imagined by by him and the and the director uh, mm. visually, anyway. And uh, you know, it, it it's definitely calling back to stuff like Nosferatu and more German expressionist stuff. Because I mean, even her 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 look is very does not seem out of place in like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari or something like yeah. that. And even the poster, the poster for the movie has a very kind of like German expressionist kind of uh, uh, graphic feeling to it. It's a cool poster. Yeah. And, and the, um, Atti, the sex worker, and then the, um, the person who dances with the balloon, they have yeah. this sort of like elaborate, like, um, I don't even, I, I don't like, Weimar Republic sort of era, like makeup on these, like painted on eyebrows, a very white face, the sort of like sculptural but narrow, like dark lipstick. Yeah, Um, yeah, they've got like very specific looks. I think that's part of what's what's bugging me about this movie is I feel like they were going in the right direction, but they didn't go far enough. Like it's it's. It's not weird enough that the normal stuff doesn't feel boring, and it's yeah. not a normal story enough to uh, propel you into f- between the scenes of weirdness. Yeah, like I, I almost I, I wish they either went further with the weirdness or or even just kind of picked one one or two fewer points of inspiration mm. and focused in on on a couple because it does yeah. feel a little like. It's trying to work in a lot of different styles and a lot of different touch tones. You've got like Nosferatu and you've got like sort of vaudevillian aspects. Mm. And then you've also got like uh, spaghetti western kind of stuff. And then you've got like a 50s vibe. It's just a lot. It's a lot to hold in in a 90 minute movie with a very simple plot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it it, it wrangles it. I think it wrangles that stuff fairly well at the sacrifice of a really strong story. It's <laughs> ultimately what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you like you said, I think I think we're being pretty hard on this movie. Um, Somebody mostly, has to be. Well, and, and mostly because I think we're we're not looking at it as like, is this a good movie or an interesting conceptually interesting movie or a movie that's added something valuable to film in general, we're not mm. looking at it like that. We're looking at right. it as like, is this a good horror movie? Right. And, you know, the thing that's really interesting to me that I've thought about a couple times since we've watched this is, you know, we watched it, uh, we were group chatting while we were watching it with, you know, yes, some of we our were. friends who are, who are watching it with us. Hi, guys. And Hi, guys. <laughs> I, hope, I, I look forward to you listening to this in 10 weeks when it comes out. Um. But I was thinking, like, would I have liked this more? Would I have reacted to it a lot more favorably if I had seen it in the theater? Because I feel like being immersed in that – a movie like this where you're, like, you are captive to uh, its its world and you're kind of immersed in it and kind of takes you along for the ride for the the weirdness of it and the sort of arthousiness of it. I, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not I would have liked it a lot more then be, because 
you know, as we're watching it, we're like talking to each other. So there's subtitles that we're trying to take in, but we're also trying to make sure talk to people and stuff. And so, you know, it it makes it it melt. It it made it feel kind of slower. I don't know. I, I, I I honestly don't know. So the first time I watched it, (laughs) so the way I even got my hands on it is that I had heard about it. I had thought it sounded very interesting and very much mm-hmm. up my alley. Uh, I was hanging out with some friends and I mentioned, uh, we were talking about movies or something. And I mentioned that I really wanted to see it. And my friend was like, I have illegally pirated this movie from the internet. Do you want it? <laughs> and I was like, that's terrible, but okay. Um, so yeah, he like burned it to a DVD for me. Um, and then I watched it. I think I was like drunk on half a bottle of wine and home alone mm. and just like popped that sucker in and, and had nothing to do and nowhere to go and no one to talk to and no attention span for anything but the one thing. So I, I think mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it when I watched yeah. it because I was able to sort of be uninhibited enough to just sort of go with it. Right. I wasn't trying to analyze anything about it. I wasn't trying to like talk to anyone about it no one was sort of like wait who is that what's happening there i could just kind of let it happen i guess yeah and you know i I think about the innkeepers too where it's like Mm. if i if we had been watching the innkeepers with a group of people i don't know if i would have responded as positively because the reason i liked the innkeepers so much was i was ready to just be immersed in that thing yeah. And it really worked on me because I was my mind was 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 open for, for that sort of uh, uh, movie. And, but if we had been watching it with other people, I don't know if I would have been able to, to focus as much on it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're giving it short shrift. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's t- it is tough because um, so we had done our our Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of uh, group chat while mm-hmm. we watched that and, and, and some of our friends joined, some of the patrons joined and that one was really fun. Like I actually really appreciated the group chat on that. And I think it's maybe because, and, and I don't know if this was the same for you, but I've seen that movie a couple times. Yeah. Like I've seen yeah. it enough and it's pretty, um, it, it, there's a lot of action, but there's not a lot of like detail you really need to remember. Right. Uh, so I think it's just the, the type of movie that's conducive to talking in a group while it's on. And it's got such an entrenched and well-known um, history and position in the canon. So like a lot of our patrons and different people had some really interesting like tidbits that they knew and like facts and, and, and you know, points of view on it that added to it for me because I was already so familiar with the base product. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, this this one, this is a tough one to watch with people. I think is the problem, but it <laughs> it uh, it uh, it kind of leads me into the final question, uh, mm. because it's not it's not a scary movie, and uh, if we're putting it on a list of the two hundred best horror movies of all time, this is ranked pretty high at number forty five. Would yeah. you uh do you feel like this is a deserved placement? Should it be moved higher or lower on the list? Should it be taken off the list because apparently we have the power to do that? <laughs> um, you know, I I think 
I, I just, I have such a hard time because I think that there's something to be said for representation and for, you know, giving, giving other, other voices and getting a point of view on these sort of tropes, like uh, the, the classic vampire, but through mm. like the lens of like, you know, an Iranian filmmaker, like, Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to eliminate it because I feel like that just there's so few movies on this list already that aren't by sort of like Americans or European. But but I just don't know if the list. I I I just don't know if it belongs. I just can't. I can't justify it when I think about all the other horror movies that exist and I am positive and positive that there are other filmmakers, you know, Persian filmmakers or Iranian or from that region who've made legit horror movies like jump scares and tension and all of that, that should probably be on this list before this movie. It's actually, it's actually in a fairly interesting place because on either side of it, you've got Drag Me to Hell at number 46 and Ready or Not at number 44, huh. which are, it's, that's an interesting three to have to group together like that. Yeah, because um, I also have, I have complicated feelings about Ready or Not being on this list. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah. You've, it's actually, it's this. Man, this this uh, this pocket right in the middle here is uh, is really interesting. We really got... set ourselves up for some shit using this list as the basis of our podcast, didn't we? Oh man, I I mean, <laughs> honestly, you've got uh, you've got uh, forty like five in a row. You've got Mandy, Midsummer. Uh, the Herzog remake of Nosferatu, the original version oh. of The Fly, Drag Me to Hell, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and Ready or Not, and the 19- and then House of Wax with Vincent Price. So you've got – it's a really interesting grouping of movies right there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's I kind of understand its placement. This feels like it should be like in the like – 90s or maybe like in the low hundreds it feels like one that's this isn't really a horror it's not scary it's not really a horror movie if we were going by not rating but just like lists of horror movies i feel like this would be if you're going to put this on here this feels like a throw it in the middle kind of movie where it's like you want to get it on the list because of uh, of what it represents, like you were saying. Yeah. But it's not exactly like a horror horror movie. So. Yeah, and I, th- I, think, I think somewhere there's... in the middle would probably be be appropriate. I agree, and I and I think there's something about like a lot of the horror in this movie isn't the sort of horror that's scary when you watch it. It's yeah. scary when you think about it. Sure. Yeah. So like there's the, I think they show it maybe twice. Uh, I, maybe three times I could have missed it once, but I'm pretty sure it's only twice. Um, that there's essentially like a crevice or a pit or a dry riverbed full of bodies. Right. Right. Yeah. In this city. And the first time you see it, it's, I think 
in that sort of opening scene with Arash sort of like going around the city and he finds the cat and he picks the cat up uh, and he's getting in his car and talking to the boy and all of this. And he crosses this sort of like little bridge or whatever. And you just see this pile of bodies and it's not the main focus of the camera, but it's definitely there, but there's definitely that moment when you first see it, where you're sort of like, wait, what is that? Like, what, what is all of that in there? Is that just trash? And then you're kind right, of looking yeah. and you're like, I think that's people. But nobody says anything. Nobody does anything. The camera doesn't zoom in on it. There's no focus at all on it. It's just an accepted part of the landscape. And then right. you see it again later on, and there are two people dragging a corpse into it. Right. And so there, there are definitely things like these sort of undertones of like violence and terror and murder and, and, and the things that the people who live in this kind of city, which is very clearly falling apart, like, mm. why would anybody live there? They live there it's because called, they have to. Huh? It's, literally call, it's literally called bad city. Right. <laughs> right. Nobody's living there because they want to. People are living there because they have to, and they have to live there because their lives are terrifying. It is, you know, it is, is, we could probably talk for 21 minutes about this, but it's like, (laughs) like, it is interesting though, how it's, it's, it's called bad city. They've got that thing full of corpses, but it's not really that bad. Like it's the suburbs just look like nice suburbs. And I feel like there's an element of class, stuff going on that they don't really ex- exploit at all because you've oh, got yeah. the you've got uh, uh arash who who clearly lives out in the you know the oil field area um which i actually like the the shots of the oil oil uh rigs too because that's oh yeah that's almost was like you know the oil rig is a literal vampire in in this situation you know yeah and um, it's the, the backbone of the economy for so many right. countries in the middle east and you know you've got Arash doing landscaping stuff for the rich girl with the who just had the nose job. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of stuff going on that I don't feel like is is really fully exploited as as far as as some of that uh, uh, subtext. You know. Um, yeah, I wonder if some of it is like, like if you were from that, if you had lived that sort of life, or you sure, were yeah. from an area you know, the real world equivalent to this sort of, this sort of existence in, in Iran. And, and like, I think you would watch this and you would recognize some of this stuff without needing to be told. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Like I, uh, have you seen Parasite? Oh no, not yet. (laughs) Parasite is, you know, even if you are not from uh, Korea, it's a very good movie, but uh, a friend of mine, his wife is uh is korean and her parents i think are are directly from korea and uh he was telling me how parasite is like a scathing dead-on uh critique of korean culture to the point where uh his wife's very conservative father actively hates the man who made the movie (laughs) oh wow (laughs) yeah so it's 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 some of those things where it's like if you're not from that culture you can still appreciate it, but if you are from that culture, you're picking up so much more from it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of, is a similar case. I, I would I would assume so. I think that there's a lot in it that 
you know, we for, for once, we, the white people, are the outsiders when mm. we watch this. And I think that definitely plays into our our views on it, our interpretation of it. Like, I would love to talk to somebody who has more insight into, like, this sort of, this part of the world and this culture and, and how this actually, you know, applies in real life for folks. Yeah, and if if you are one of those people listening, please... You know, shoot me a Twitter message on Twitter at Dead Meat Comic, or or you know, leave a comment on the YouTube or whatever. We'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yes, please. But enough of this thoughtful, heady <laughs> bullshit. Next time we've got a fastball right down the middle. Oh boy! We'll be doing number seventy-one, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh boy! <laughs> which I'm very excited about. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. Oh, it's so good. So good. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us for us today. Uh, Thank you all for listening. If you if you like the show, please give us a rating or review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Or, you know, like I said, shoot me a a uh, uh, shoot me a twit and uh, (laughs) leave some comments or whatever. I love to hear what everybody thinks about the show. Comments. (laughs) Listen, I haven't talked to people in like six weeks. Okay. I don't know how words work anymore. Uh, But yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.